0: What's up? This is Maribel, and you're listening to episode 137, part two of Diferente. In the first part of this episode, Mickey and I discussed the importance of surrounding yourself with good people who truly know you and have your back, and how we need to stop dating assholes in order to make the world a better place. That's an interesting theory. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to episode 137, part one. In this part two of my conversation with Mickey Agrawal, we talk about the three things that Mickey always asks herself, and the three things that she believes every new business owner should ask themselves before starting a new venture. We also talk about her book and how it is helping people like you and I question the status quo. Continuemos la conversación. Bienvenidos. Welcome to Diferente. My name is Maribel Quesada-Smith. I'm an expert at questioning everything who wants to bring more color into your life. I'll be coming at you every week with a little humor and a mountain of passion to share with you stories and ideas related to life life culture, creativity, and business that will inspire all of us to explore different perspectives. Don't be surprised if you find yourself motivated to shake things up. That's known to be a side effect of the diferente life, and it's contagious. Now let's get to it. Let's talk about your businesses. I've heard you talk about before also the three things that you think about before starting a business, and I think this was in your first book, but could you talk about those three things. What are the three things that you always think about before starting a new business?
1: The three questions I ask myself, my first book is called Do Cool Shit. And in my first, in Do Cool Shit, I talk about um, the three questions to ask yourself before starting a business. And, you know, it's so we have so many ideas. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. We often never start anything because we just have so many ideas and decide never to do anything. Yeah. And so it's like, rather to ask yourself three questions uh, and decide, like, Okay, like if these three questions check out, then I'm willing to, to really explore it further. So, the first question is what sucks in your world? You know, it has to start with you. It, it has to be something that really is a pain point, something that sucks. Not like, ooh, I want to start another t shirt company that has cats on it. Yeah, that's what i would do. A t shirt company <laughs> that has cats. And it's like, that's going to be for all the cat lovers. It's just there's too many t shirt companies. Like, you're not creating a, it's not a pain point. Solve a problem first for yourself that you're like, oh, every time I do this, it's a fucking pain in the ass. Like right now, you know, before starting Tushy, every time I wipe my butt, it was such a process. Like at home, I would jump in the shower or I would use way too much toilet paper, clog my toilet. I would, it would just be so frustrating. And my husband then, you know, years ago got me a bidet attachment, this like kind of like ugly Chinese bidet attachment. And I was like, what is this thing? And then I was like, oh my God, like I need to like create this and make it much more beautiful and much better and much more much, much more modern and, and much more relevant. And that's sort of like what, you know, where Tushy was born. And and now Tushy is really shifting consciousness around why are we using wasteful toilet paper? Why are we, you know, wiping our butts with dry paper when the rest of our bodies we clean with water? Like, what is it about, like, we've been so deeply indoctrinated to believe that toilet paper does the job. And so Tushy, Tushy is really all about, you know, again, like waking people up to a new kind of, of thinking, a new way of being like, wait, why am I doing this? It doesn't make any sense. It's not even a new kind of thinking. It's just waking people up to being like, wait, why am I doing it this weird way that doesn't make any sense? Like if a bird pooped on your face, you wouldn't take like a piece of dry paper and wipe a piece of paper off your face. You would wash your face, hopefully, right? The second question is, does it suck for a lot of people? So, you know, if you look at like, got to you know, have buyers. You have to have buyers. Exactly. If it just sucks for you, then you're a diva and I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> and um, so, does it doesn't suck for a lot of people? You know, one in five Americans are gluten free, which is why I was like, oh, eat gluten free, not are gluten free, but eat gluten free and have some slight intolerances to processed gluten. And so that was interesting where I was like, okay, I, you know, I want to start a gluten free pizza concept. You know, one that's 20% of Americans. That's, Big, that's a big market. You know, like every woman has had a period accident in their lives. Like everybody who poops in America who doesn't have a bidet is walking around with with a cesspool of infection down there. You know, and it just like when you put it that way, <laughs> it's like thirty million combined cases of chronic UTIs, hemorrhoids, anal fissures, anal itching, yeast infections could be exa- you know are exacerbated by having all that bacteria and infection that because of the not properly wiping yourself. It's just obvious, but like people people just don't think about it because it's just never been put it in their radar. But as soon as it's put in the radar, they're like, whoa, wait, what? Why am yeah. I... What I'm not gonna wipe poop with dry paper. That sounds crazy. How have I been led to believe this? This is nuts, you know. And so it has to suck with a lot of for a lot of people. Well, yeah, that's a big opportunity, a big market for every American to have a bidet. Huge opportunity and huge. Market yeah, because bidets are expensive. Like yeah, I've, I've
0: always associated them with being expensive before Tushy.
1: Exactly, are thousands of dollars. There's plumbing, electrical. Those French bidets have all that. You have to shimmy over with your poopy butt. <laughs> Yeah, to clean, yes. that doesn't make any sense. Whereas <laughs> like, you know, for Tushy it's $69 clips onto your existing toilet. It takes 10 minutes to install. There's no plumbing or electrical. It does not pull the water from your toilet bowl or your toilet tank. Okay. It pulls it from the wall, the same water you brush your teeth with. It's not spraying poop everywhere. It's pulling the poop down into the bowl. People are like, it's going to spray poop everywhere. It's like, no, it's it's literally pulling it down into the bowl. And it's like the cleanest thing, it's like a precise shower for your body. And it
0: actually does end up saving water because of what you said of the amount of water that it takes to produce toilet paper. Cause you know what? I was gonna buy it a few weeks ago and then I, I stopped and I was like, but wait, am I gonna be wasting more water?
1: No. <laughs> so then no. I stopped. <laughs> so a single roll of toilet paper requires 37 gallons of water to make one roll of toilet paper. But compared to using one pint of water to properly clean yourself. The average American uses 57 sheets of toilet paper per day. So I'm doing the math for you Which means that the average American is using about 55 gallons of water, plus trees, plus all the processes to make the toilet paper, plus all the money spent versus one gallon of water over the course of of a week to properly wash your butt with water, not using any trees, not killing any of that stuff. You still have to pat dry with something. You know, you could either use 80% less toilet paper, or we have organic bamboo butt towels that you can buy, you know, to pat dry, which we have thousands and thousands and thousands of customers using the towels to pat themselves dry after they poop. And then the last question, so what sucks in my world? Does it suck for a lot of people? The third question is the most important. It's, can I be passionate about this issue, cause, or community for a really long time? You know, you have to really sit into the discomfort for 10 years. You have to be willing to sit in it for 10 years and be like, am I willing to sit in this for 10 years or not? And if the answer is no, if you're going to start a t-shirt company, a shoe company, a this company, a that company that's not, that has no innovation attached to it, likely your answer will be no. But if your business is truly innovative, is truly original, it truly can transform people's lives. That is what's going to keep you going. And so, oftentimes, like I always have a give back. You know, all of my businesses have a give back where, like Tushy, right now, for example, for every Tushy sold, we're funding clean sanitation facilities. So, basically, we're building clean toilets in India and beyond. Right now, the global sanitation crisis affects over 3 billion people. Over almost a billion people are practicing open defecation around the world where they're pooping outside and they don't have a safe place to go to the bathroom. Women, especially, and, and girls are at risk of getting raped or pillaged or robbed when they're trying to pop a squat somewhere because they're not safe. And it's a, it's the most, you know, it's a time where they're the most compromised. And so oftentimes women don't drink enough fluids, eat enough food because they don't want to go to the bathroom during the day and they're often just malnourished. And then they also have to hold in their pee and their poop all no, day long, no. wait till night, walk 10, you know, five sometimes, uh, you know, miles down the street in a group of women to like relieve themselves. So they get UTIs as a result when you're holding in your pee or your poop for too long, you get urinary tract infections. It's a problem. And so, you know, we're helping build out clean sanitation facilities, clean latrines for for women, for people um, who, who just don't have the basic needs. And so, you know, we've helped, we've helped almost 50,000 families to date gain access to clean sanitation. So yeah, that, that is what helps keep me going. Like when I'm, when I'm building TUSHY right now, that really really keeps me going to to fight through the painful parts of the business
0: and it sounds like you have a really solid team of people that you can trust because One of my biggest issues as a business person, as a small (laughs) entrepreneur, is being able to trust another person or other people to execute my vision. And I don't know if you've ever had that issue or if you felt that you're not able to have other people do what you do as well as you do. I don't know if you suffer from that, but I feel like that's a huge problem for me. How do you deal with that? How do you trust other people to execute your vision as you see it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I you just have to pick people that really have a work ethic, that are self-starting, that are Swiss Army knives in and of themselves, or they're willing to do whatever it takes to really learn and grow and, and build and, and have a really, really, really good energetic temperament, you know, that are good people, good humans. And and I think that I've compromised that in the past. You often can basically, like what they say is like, you know, hire for culture, train for talent. Um, I really learned that the hard way. I think you know, it's really, really important to hire for culture and people who are really good people and you can just train them to become – because everyone – as long as, as long as their head's screwed on straight, that's the most important thing. Are they smart? Are they capable? Are they driven? Are they self-starting? Are they good, fun, interesting people? When I'd like to sit next to them on an airplane for 12 hours. I'm going somewhere. They pass the airplane test. <laughs> then yes, then um, that person, that person could be hired. And you and-
0: know what, Mickey? You'd be surprised at how many companies do not follow that principle. Like people talk about hiring people for culture and, you know, being able to train people and raise them up and mentoring and blah, 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 right? But so many companies, especially I would say in the tech industry, because I've experienced this firsthand, they won't hire outside of what they're comfortable hiring. If you don't have a certain type of skill set or a certain type of background, background, they won't hire you. So then you can talk about diversity, or you can talk about, you know, fostering talent all you want. But if you continue to only hire one type of person, or from one pool of people, then that's never going to happen. And it just shocks me at how many people don't do that, don't apply that simple concept. I mean, it's really I would agree with you 100%. It's way easier to hire the right kind of person that fits into your culture, and that has the right vision, and then train them, but they don't do it. And I don't understand why. It's nuts. Do you interview everybody yourself? I
1: do, 100% now, yes. That's
0: really cool. I think that's important also because you want get, to get a good feel for your team. After all, they are your team, right? They're, they're right. going to be, in the long run, part of your your community. What's the biggest mistake that you've made as a leader or boss?
1: I would say being too probably sometimes too friendly with my team and just being like thinking that we're all friends. And, um, and I think that was, you know, a tough lesson just being like, no, 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 you know, you're the boss. There's you know, you have your team. They're not your friends. You know, they, we, we have mm-hmm. a shared vision, but they're not your friends. And I, you know, when you're like a young, like fun, like, you know, you want to, f- you like, you feel, you know, you feel like we're all peers. You want to give everyone the feeling that they also have the power to build a business with you. You know, sometimes things get taken out of context if you let people go. And I learned that the hard way for sure.
0: And, What's the biggest lesson that you've learned as an entrepreneur?
1: That you, well, number one, hire slow, fire, fast, for sure. Number two is to trust your gut, you know, but really do the research as well. Trust your gut, but then, but also be researched and really, really know what you're talking about before you make a decision. Yeah. And then don't settle. <laughs> I think that's really important too. We, we often all settle on, oh, this is good enough. It's like, don't settle you know just really like this person's good enough or this this idea is good enough or this work is good enough if you think it's just good enough then it's then it's not gonna it's not gonna be good set set a high bar for yourself and and demand excellence for yourself and for others and and that's important but
0: would you say that like there's no such thing as perfection so you don't want to let perfection kind of freeze you from actually taking action right
1: yeah in disruptor I talk about Iteration is perfection. Stagnation is death. It's not about being perfect. It's the iterative process that's perfect. It's making micro adjustments always. It's, co- it's constant improvement, constant self-improvement, constant improvement of the work. It's not about being perfect ever. Because like when you think you're perfect, you stop growing and then you're dead. You know, it's like, think about all the companies out there that were like, no, Blockbuster, we're great. Look how much, look how many people are coming into our doors and just like, oh God, you know, BlackBerry, oh my God, people love us. No one's ever going to, you know, switch or whatever. They're just (laughs) like, oh, you know, it's all about constantly iterating, constantly making improvements, constantly growing, constantly adjusting, constantly learning and not settling ever. And, and I think that that's, you know, really, really important. It's like, you're not, your first bar needs to be really high and then you have to keep improving. So you you have to just, if you're going to really shift culture, if you're really going to change society, you better, you better fucking care a lot.
0: And if you're going to come up with an amazing product or an amazing service, you better believe that there will be people coming out behind you, try to compete and do the same thing. So you have to evolve. Absolutely. I'm interrupting this awesome episode to ask you a favor. Will you take a few seconds to leave a review? Tell me what other topics you would like to hear on the show. It takes less than 30 seconds to write a review and you can help change lives. Okay, I mean, that might be an exaggeration, but that's the kind of impact that Diferente is all about. A brighter outlook, a different perspective, all of this can be life-transforming. What's some advice that you would give yourself when you first started to become an entrepreneur? What's a piece of advice that you would give that Mickey from back then?
1: Just put your head down and put one foot in front of the other and just like work. Work you know work your butt off and stop talking just do you know take action put one foot just actually make those steps like stop saying you're gonna you're gonna you're this you're that stop trolling stop talking shit about others that make you feel better about not doing <laughs> the minute you start taking action the minute is the minute you'll start building confidence and more confidence and the more confidence in yourself and 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 the more you'll be like willing to be complimentary of others because you're living your truth you're living your purpose you're not just talking about it and then like you know, just, just really not doing anything about it, which makes you feel bad, which then makes you feel like you don't want to talk nice about other people because you don't feel good about yourself. It's just like it's an endless loop. You know, the minute you start just taking action one foot in front of the other, gosh, everything shifts for the better.
0: That's powerful because a lot of people just kind of freeze in the doubt, the self-doubt, but also they compare themselves to others. I think that's (laughs) an Mm -hmm. issue with a lot of people nowadays. They think that, um, they have to be a specific way because they saw something somebody else do it that way. And so they don't even give themselves room to be creative or to grow. All right. So earlier on, we said that we were going to go back to the 13 things that you talk about in your book, Disrupt Her. Can you bring up a couple of them?
1: Yeah. So the book, how it's laid out is it's laid out by first sharing the common belief that's deeply held by society, Like, this is the way it is in society. Like, this is the common belief. So it's 13 common beliefs and then 13 disruptions that basically defy the common beliefs. And so the first common belief is... We have to get serious as we grow up. Get your head out of the clouds, be quiet, sit down, stop talking. You know, if you want to go to college and shut up and listen, if you want to get a job then shut up and listen, you know, like that's sort of the world that we've been brought up in. And it just like we have learned to just sit and become obedient to the way it has been. The way we're learning in classrooms is literally like the way we've been learning since the factory days of, of the industrial revolution. And so we have to get serious as we grow up is a common belief. Like It's, it's, it's harder to like really have fun. And, and the disruption is no, you don't have to get serious as you grow up. You can still live in a childlike state of curiosity, playfulness, and awe, and to be a responsible adult at the same time. You can absolutely be both. You can you can have that awestruck joie de vivre and be like, "Wow!" Every time you see stuff around you, and and just not be jaded or affected by it or feel like whatever by it, but really be just like, "My gosh, that's so cool!" And and also be a responsible adult, and also pay your bills, and also have the roof of your head, and also make sure you have food on the table. You can really have both. You know, in in the society in the world, we've learned to devalue playfulness and value productivity. When you put yourself in the in the in the sort of the container of playfulness, you really really do have your creative juices flowing for business, which actually is good for business. Like my idea for Think's, like our idea for Think's would never have been birth had we not been playing. You know, we were defending our three-legged race championship title at, at my family barbecue, you know, that we call Agra Palooza, you know, and in the middle of the race, my sister started her period and we ran up to, to the bathroom so she can change out her bathing suit bottoms. And as she was washing out the blood from the bathing suit bottoms was when the idea hit, like, wouldn't it be great to create a pair of underwear that never leaked or never stained. And that supported women every day of the month. And that idea that was, that's now changing the lives of millions of women, changing the conversation around periods as a whole globally, would never have yeah, started it changed my life, yeah, would never have started had it not been for the container of playfulness that that we love being in. Mm-hmm. I go to Burning Man every single year because I want to keep re-upping my creativity cup you know i want to keep reminding myself that we are big playful adults that we get to like really be playful and be silly and wear silly outfits and and have permission to do weird things and like and 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 really give ourselves permission to be wholly who we are and that is i think you know a true secret of being happy and being feeling like you're in your authentic state where you're like fully expressed and and so um you know, this book really, this, this chapter really, really gives you permission to, again, get back to your childlike state of curiosity, playfulness, and awe, and walks you through how to get there. And then another one is just the conversation around money. You know, we have, we've been taught that the the common belief is talking about money is tacky. You can't talk about money. You can't talk about how much money you make. It's bad bad form. form. You can't talk about how much money you have (laughs) in your bank. You can't talk about where to invest. Even if like all these companies and all these websites are like, yes, we are empowering people to talk about money and blah, blah, blah. No one really still does socially. Nobody wants to because there's so much cultural taboo against it. You just can't. No, money is simply a made up energy exchange that we have agreed to is valued at something. And so the disruption is the more we can talk about money as flowing energy, the more our energy around money will shift too. Like it's just flowing energy. It's like I give you my energy, which is in the form of of this paper thing, and you give me your energy, which is the form of a thing that that, that I'm buying from you. You know, so it's just a made up energy exchange. And so once you realize that, it becomes less weird and less daunting and less hard to talk about. And then you get to talk about it more and more. And when you talk about it, you're learning about, oh, wow, you just invested in that thing. Oh, maybe I'll invest in that thing too. I
0: think it's taboo because people associate how much money they make with their self-worth. I think that's and what that's it is. It. That, they feel embarrassed. That's it.
1: And it's just like, it's so, it's so dumb because simply it's an energy exchange. The more shame you have at not talking about it, the less you have are motivated and driven to want to make more because you're not talking about it, you know? And so it's just, it's all a loop. And so, so just the money chapter just gives you permission to really talk about it, to really discuss it, to really go there in a way that feels authentic to you, to not feel weird about it. And then to like. Then be liberated by it, but then to then maybe make, making so much more of it. The minute I got liberated by the concept of money, you know, my businesses took off. And so, it's just it's it's really just recalibrated the societal preconceptions over and over again in every category of your life. Whether whether it's like like I said, if it's if it's you know getting serious as you grow up, it's talking about money. It's the culture of needing more stuff, which again, more stuff equals more notoriety. More no, more, more notoriety means equals I'm happier. That's all. Just more
0: self worth. Again, <laughs> self worth
1: exactly, and that's all. That's all just learned behavior from, from centuries past, from all the marketing, advertising that, that, we've, that, that have led us to believe all that. We were so happy before the Industrial Revolution to have two pairs of pants and one pair of shoes. You know, We were so happy with that. And we've just been led and deeply led to believe that more stuff equals a better life. You know, And more stuff does, does not equal a better life. You could actually practice addition by subtraction. And that's another chapter in the book. It's like how to practice addition by subtraction in your life, both with friends, with people who – you know you have in your life, where you feel like, oh, like at a person I've known for so long—they're grandfathered in. I can't get rid of them, but the answer is yes, you can. You could just do it in a way that's thoughtful and 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 not like, oh, I'm being so mean. They tried to invite me to five things now, and now I, I'm trying to avoid their calls. Now they think I'm an asshole. Now they're telling everyone I'm an asshole. It's just like, no, you 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 answer the phone. You say, hey thank you so much for being such a great friend to me that you so are willing to support me in my journey to become the best version of myself. And with that, like I'm going to like, I'm building something that I'm really passionate about. And what that means is that I just won't have that much time to really spend with you. But I I just feel your love um, that you're supporting me on my journey. When you say that, it's kind of hard for the person to be like, harumph, you know what I mean? (laughs) And so you just have to set it up where you really are You know, doubling down on yourself and not constantly being like, well, what what will they say? What will they say? What will my parents say? What will my friends say? What will this person say? What will that person say? It's like, what will you think? What do you want? What do you think makes sense to you? And once you're, the more in alignment you are with yourself, the more money you'll make, the more you'll actually be liked by others, the more people, because you're more authentically yourself, therefore you have more confidence and therefore people are attracted to light because people want to be around light and be inspired by that.
0: And the people who don't like you or who end up not liking you or for the real you are the people who are not supposed to be around you anyway in the first place. You don't need them.
1: hundred percent. So everything is revealed to you the more you, you become. Ah.
0: I was like, we all have a lot of reading to do.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. You can check out, you can check out the launch, sort of the launch video I did where I'm being birthed out of a vagina at disrupther.co.
0: So I have two more questions for you. The ones that I ask every guest on Diferente. and we ask these questions because they really give us a sense of the type of person that you are, and also it's a really good way of introducing people to different perspectives. Like I said before, so. If The first question is what is your passion? And the second
1: question is how do you define success? I define success by just really feeling like you are in full alignment with who you are. Like and where and and just just being in full alignment. I think that is success. It's like what you're doing in your life, what your passion, your purpose, the people around you are in alignment. That's that's true success. That's pretty straightforward.
0: And what is your passion?
1: My passion is to really liberate people through inventing new products. By inventing new products, um, it's just by having the the sort of challenging conversations to not backing down when there's pushback. Um, I'm really passionate about um, supporting all people.
0: So... I hope you enjoyed the episode and this conversation with Miki Agrawal. You know, she's someone who has endured deep criticism And whether you agree with her or not, I think anyone who is brave enough to go out there and continue to be innovative, win or lose, despite the haters, is a freaking champion. Hello, what she said about the way women pick men was so on point. How many women do you know who complain about not being able to find a, quote, good guy, but when the good guys come around, they dismiss them because they're too nice or worse They're not gritty or rough enough. I mean, that's really something to think about. And I would know because I spent a long time playing this game myself. Before I wrap things up, I want to talk about the takeaways that I had from this entrepreneurship series, which were so many, but unfortunately, we don't have a lot of time. So I'm going to list the main ones. So takeaway number one, I learned how to face my fears of failure and the importance of having clear communication from Andrea Vieira in episode 132. I also learned that you should invest in building a strong, purposeful brand before you launch your business because it will end up saving you loads of wasted time and money in the long run. All of this from Alex Santiago in episode 133. In episode 134 with Danielle Town, I confronted the fear of managing my own money, and she helped me realize that I have the power to put my money where my values are, opting for companies that act and operate according to what I think is important to make this world a better place. Another takeaway from this series I got from Sydney Mack, who taught me how you never really know a person's struggle until you really start to get to know them, in episode 135. And on the business side, she helped me understand why investing in solid legal advice is the best way to protect not only your business, but your investment. In episode 136, through my conversation with Salone Monet, I learned what it takes to get through the growing pains of being an entrepreneur and starting a business. She also helped me understand the unpredictable nature of being a mom and business owner. Something I think that we don't always talk about. We only hear the success stories. We don't always hear the struggles behind those success stories. And this episode was so important in shining a light on that. And what can I say about Mickey? I mean, so many lessons here on this episode. I would say that the one that is going to stick with me forever is that you have to surround yourself with authentic relationships, people who truly know and love you and give that love back to them. That is the only way that you can get through the BS and the judgments that always come with being a driven, inspiring, innovative human. All right. Congratulations. You made it to the end of the entrepreneurship series on Diferente. Don't forget that you can come join me and have a Diferente conversation on social media. I'm on Instagram at Diferente underscore podcast or on Facebook at Diferente podcast. Thanks again for listening. I'm Maribel Casada smith I'll catch you later. Thank you for listening to Diferente. If you like this episode, let me know by leaving a five-star review and by sharing a screenshot of this podcast on Instagram or Facebook. Just don't forget to tag me at Adiferente Life so I can know you're listening. Hasta pronto!